I'm Scott. And I'm Jason. Welcome to Skipped on Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. Today we're going to be looking at the song Pets by Dead Mouse from his 2014 album While One is Less Than Two. episode was scott's idea because up until a few weeks ago maybe i had heard of dead mouse <laughs> that might be I, I might be giving myself way too much credit for for being that hip but i am i am so not into dance music or know anything about it or understand anything about it it just seems like one of those genres of music that you are ushered into at a particular age and if you like miss that or you know don't have anybody suggesting this this type of music to you then you're just like never gonna get into it yeah and i think that's interesting i think i think that's part of the uh part of the cool thing about doing skipped on shuffle is that we're both sort of you know, not only are we examining songs and, and music and genres that we both really love together, but we're also like pushing each other in different directions. I mean, you know, I, I know for uh, for our for our previous episode where we did The Cure, you know, you weren't really a Cure fan at all. And you sort of knew a little bit about them, but not really. And and then, you know, the, the album that we looked at, Pornography, you really enjoyed. And, you know, so it's kind of like, oh, this is interesting. Like I'm becoming more of a music fan. And, uh, and you mentioned like, you know, how you're kind of ushered in to music at a particular age. And if you're not, then dance music kind of leaves you in the dust. And I think it's interesting because as we both get older, we're probably listening to less music. We're, 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 we're pushing our boundaries outside of our comfort zones less and less. And we're starting to be those people that only listen to music that was popular when we were kids, you know? And I think that doing these episodes like this kind of is, is, is bringing that back. At least for me, I know it's that for this episode, because in this episode, I'm the one pushing you. But in a couple of other episodes we've done, I've kind of been pushed in another direction. And it's interesting to kind of feel that again, where it's like, oh, like there's so much music out there that I don't know anything about. And I can still go out and listen to it. Like I don't have to only listen to the stuff that I listened to a hundred times. might be hard to believe, but Dead Mouse's real name is not Dead Mouse. It is actually Joel Thomas Zimmerman. He was born in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. His mother is an artist and his father is a General Motors plant worker, uh, which which kind of creates an interesting dichotomy. You know, you're, you're growing up in this household where your your mother is probably nurturing his creative side and trying to push him to be more artistic in, in, in those kinds of ways. And then this like, you know, blue collar dad who's like probably the kind of guy who's like oh, get up in the morning and eat my breakfast and go to work and work hard and that's what I do and so if you if you get to know Zimmerman because he's he's very 
he, he does a lot of social media stuff. He's, he's really into being out there on the internet. If you get to know him, he definitely does have this like kind of blue collar sensibility to him that I'm sure he gets from his dad. And then this, you know, artistic and, and creative and boundary pushing creative side of him that creates all this music and, and does all this interesting stuff as a child. Zimmerman gets a keyboard for Christmas one year and starts playing around with it, creating sounds and getting used to the idea of, of working with in, in the instrument. However, he has no musical training whatsoever. He doesn't know how to play the keyboard. He doesn't know how to play the piano. He's just basically hitting buttons and making weird sounds and getting interested in the sounds that he can create with that. Eventually, he gets a computer and he starts creating chiptune music uh, using a software package called Impulse Tracker, which was popular in the early 90s for creating what most people would describe as like Nintendo music with lots of boops and beeps. And there's a beat behind it. But at the same time, it's it sounds like you're playing an old school video game. So this we're going to play you a clip here. This is not Dead Mouse's creation. This is a song that somebody else created, but it was created on the same software that Dead Mouse used when he was first coming up, training on you know on early software to create his electronic music. So this is a chip tune song that I found on the internet that is created with the Impulse Tracker software. Starting in 1998, Zimmerman starts uploading electronic music to an online artist collective known as Section Z. For those of you who are big electronic fans and have been electronic fans for a long time, probably remember Section Z. It was kind of like a forum, almost like a, a, a Reddit or or maybe even like a MySpace or something like that where where, where electronic artists would would collaborate basically they'd upload tracks and they'd say what does this sound like and then they get critiques and then people who are electronic music fans would listen to it and maybe critique that as well and it became like this like social hub where all these people could discuss electronic music and play clips and create their own stuff and it kind of you know created this interesting feedback of like oh like this is interesting and this is interesting but this isn't interesting and and helps them create kind of this these interesting sounds and if you talk to a lot of major techno artists today and ask them like what they were doing when they were kids and creating the music you'll hear a lot of them say like oh i was hanging out with section z all the time and doing all that stuff and uh, and this is where dead mouse really starts developing like what kind of music he wants to create Fast forward now to 2005 and Dead Mouse releases his first full length album, which is called Get Scraped. Uh, originally, it was just a demo release limited to about 100 copies, uh, but eventually it was picked up by a record label called Zoo Look. The album is really interesting because it sets the tone for Dead Mouse's future eclecticism. There's a chiptune song called 8-Bit, which is kind of sounds like what we discussed before with the uh, Impulse Tracker software. There's an atmospheric ambient track called Board of Canada, which is likely a reference to another electronic act called Boards of Canada. And then there's a song called The Oshawa Connection, which has like an early 90s dance club sound. And there's also this song called Careless, which is one of the few Dead Mouse tracks to feature Joel Zimmerman himself singing the main vocal line. You cry yourself to sleep And I don't care Wasting our time And I don't care And 
In 2006, Dead Mouse releases the second album, which is called Vexillology, which is very straightforward, you know, basic standard house tracks with your your standard beat and you know kind of like what i what i imagine like uh the strong bad email where he makes fun of techno music with the cheat you know <laughs> your <laughs> system is down <laughs> you had, you had brought up the 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 social networking that was going on between all these electronic artists and that's all i could think of was homestar runner like immediately <laughs> popped in my head and... <laughs> well yeah i feel like this the strong bad email where he makes fun of techno music i feel like what he was making fun of is is most of the kind of thing that's on the second album vexillology uh we're gonna play a clip here this is called dr funkenstein which is literally just a beat and then the repeat of dr funkenstein over and over again Vexillology didn't do that well outside of his hardcore internet fan base. But in 2007, Zimmerman creates his own record label called Mousetrap and starts work on his third album, which ends up calling being called Random Album Title. And he releases that in 2008. The, the most notable song from that is called I Remember, which features fellow DJ and producer Cascade with vocals by Haley Gibby. And chances are, even if you're not a big dance fan, you've probably heard this one before. Even I've heard this one before. I couldn't point to where, but I'm like, oh, okay, I do know something apparently about Dead Mouse that I did not realize. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like I remember ended up in like you know like mall soundtracks or yeah, I feel like, like it must have been in some store or yeah. maybe it was like featured somewhere, Clothing but stores I, yeah. or something. It, it it became a sizable hit in itself because of its you know the vocal line and it's it's very pretty. Like it's got like a very pretty sound to it. It's very different from the the other stuff that he was creating because you know like what we play with like Doctor Funkenstein, which is pretty repetitive and boring and just kind of does its basic thing. But this was something else that has you know a very musical sensibility to it, whereas you know it kind of elevates above the basic just repetitive beat of normal techno music so that's probably why you know somebody like you who's doesn't really listen to this stuff can still hear it somewhere in 2009 dead mouse releases his fourth album called for lack of a better name and there was a lot of hype for this because i remember it was a pretty big hit and random album title was a was a decent selling record so there was a lot of people like clamoring for 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 lack of a better name to come out it featured one of his most popular songs which is called ghosts in stuff Featuring vocals by fellow electronic artist Rob Swire.
after the one-two punch of the success of I Remember and then Ghosts and stuff, Deadmau5 is huge. He's touring big places and playing big clubs and uh, wearing his distinctive mouse head, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, and just generally being one of the more popular DJs uh, on the planet. Now, hype is even more huge for his fifth album, which comes out in 2010, uh, which is called Four Times Four Equals Twelve, which is kind of an inside joke that most Dead Mouse fans will know, but uh, it's an interesting way of sort of acknowledging his internet fan base while still being silly with his album title names. He releases Four by Four, four Times Four Equals Twelve, which is actually nominated for a Grammy. One of the album's singles, Raise Your Weapon, featuring Greta Svabo Beck on vocals, hits the Billboard Hot 100 chart for the first time, which is notable because most dance tracks don't ever make it into the general Billboard charts, whereas this album did actually penetrate that chart to become one of his more successful songs. How does it feel now to watch it? In 2012, Deadmau5 releases the sixth studio album, which is funnily called Album Title Goes Here, and it spawns a hit called The Velt, featuring vocals by Chris James. However, the album doesn't do well critically, and it's called Not Creative Enough, even though The Velt is actually a really, really good song. At this point in Dead Mouse's career, he's kind of stuck. He's been releasing music for a while now, and it hasn't really changed much. He's still doing your basic progressive house stuff. Every now and then, he'll throw like a, a guest vocalist in there to throw on some to make you know a song that could possibly be played on the radio. And then the rest of the album is usually filled with your standard progressive house stuff. So he's kind of stuck. He's like, okay, critics are starting to say that I'm getting boring, and my audience is starting to be a little less interested in what I'm putting out and so where do i go from here i feel like this is a pretty common theme that we run into as we're discussing artists which is they get huge have a bunch of hype and expectations and that they're loved by both their fans and their critics and then they end up hitting some kind of wall and they have to make some sort of decisions about where they want to go and what do they want to what they want to do and it's kind of interesting because you're pretty limited in your choices you can try to keep everyone happy or just say i'm never going to read another newspaper or online <laughs> review you know again i don't want to hear it um or just you know create music and your your fan base maybe shrinks because people say okay he's you know like that i i don't like what he's doing anymore and i'm not gonna listen to it anymore um so it's really interesting how different artists sort of face that challenge because at some point for a lot of people that we're talking about we're specifically concentrating on you know popular artists where they peak at some point and have to make some choices about what they really want to do and where they really want to go and i think everyone handles that challenge a little differently and i can only imagine for doing 
something like this where you're on the internet so much that you're probably constantly getting that criticism from both your fans or credit you know somebody can tweet at you or send you a video and so you can't really avoid that kind of commentary that's happening and that has to be kind of interesting and also being a live act as well i can't imagine what that must change how, how that changes for you being like you know maybe playing at like big festivals or at these like really world-renowned clubs and all of a sudden it's like oh you you're, you're not really popular enough to, to be here now or, you know, nobody, nobody really, really wants you in, in this size venue. And that has to be kind of interesting and I guess different for house music and electronic music as opposed to just, you know, bands and the, the venues they play at. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, and, and Joel Zimmerman, you know, dead mouse, he, 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 he decided, he decidedly chooses to go and be more creative and, and actually puts together for his 2014 album, which is called while one is less than two, which is the album that today's track pets appears on. Uh, he goes all out. This is a double album. The, the running time for both discs altogether is 140 minutes. So to sit down and listen to this record from front to back, you're dedicating well over two hours of your life to listening to it all. And there's everything on here. There's like, you know, the similar kind of things that he was doing before with like a pop song with vocals and, you know, and, and, and beats and sounds. But then there's remixes from uh, Trent Reznor projects, including Nine Inch Nails and How to Destroy Angels. There's really beautiful piano things going on, ambient kind of stuff where it's just like noisy. There's guitar sounds, live drums. I mean, it, it really gets very eclectic. And as you're listening to the record, you sort of, don't really know what to expect with the next track which is a very interesting thing because with dance music you're 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 kind of supposed to be limited to doing the same thing over and over again every song's got to have a drop every song's got to have the beat every song's got to have a kind of hook to it and with with this entire album while one is less than two he doesn't do that he 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 purposely pushes that away and still is creating what we would consider electronic music and it still sounds like dead mouse but it's so off the wall that you're like, I don't even know where to categorize this. And, and this ends up being really good for him. This ends up helping him get kind of back on, on his feet as far as his creative juices go, because, uh, because he was able to get out of his comfort zone and put something out that was a little different and critics did respond well. However, they did actually kind of lambast him a little bit for involving the nine inch nails aspect because they started to feel like it became like, you know, sort of like a Nine Inch Nails remix project kind of thing where it wasn't really, like he was kind of standing on the shoulders of giants, in other words. He was like hoping that his involvement with Nine Inch Nails would kind of spur that that creativity and that credibility again. That's kind of interesting for a band like Nine Inch Nails that does involve itself in remixes so often where they have a lot of singles and albums that are entirely devoted to different remixes i mean there's the whole further down the spiral remixing songs from uh the downward spiral so it seems like kind of an interesting choice especially at a time where trent reznor is also doing this crossover into movie soundtracks it's just kind of interesting the the relationship of you know where what is possible and what are the rules for creating electronic music and i feel like incorporating Nine Inch Nails and and Trent Reznor projects to destroy angels is kind of an interesting choice because it kind of begs the question why not? Yeah, like, really. This like, just, yeah. isn't this what kind of what other people are doing? It's more attached to a different genre, but I'll 
you know, there's there's no rules. Well, you know, aside from, you know, the parameters for what we what we consider popular house music, but, you know, kind of redefining a little bit like as an electronic artist, like what can I do? What am I allowed to do? And yeah, I think maybe it was just because there were two. Like if you'd only done one Nine Inch Nails related thing on the entire album, maybe it would have been like, oh, OK, like, you know. He did this one thing. That's interesting. But, but clearly it's on your mind. When you, yeah. yeah. And there's a couple of tracks on, on this album that you can hear like sound like a nine inch nails kind of thing where you could almost imagine it being one of those, those, you know, transitional the, the segue track. Yeah. Yeah. But in, on like something like the fragile or whatever. So it's very clear that, that, uh, that dead mouse, kind of turned to Nine Inch Nails at this at this creative point in his life where he was like, I try, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do next that's going to keep pushing the envelope. It's clear that he reveres Nine Inch Nails and was like, I'm going to use this as kind of my own launch pad, which, like you're saying, is is that's what dance music is all about. Like, I mean, like they all always are taking samples from things and like bringing them into an electronic beat and doing something like that. So it's like, really what's the difference here than before, other than the fact that it seems like he was mostly focused on one artist rather than bringing in things from all sorts of different things. After the release of while one is less than two, he embarks on some tours and does some stuff and, and it all goes really well. Uh, and then he gets back into the studio to record his, his 2016 album, which ends up being called 2016 album, but it gets released to pretty negative reviews. And even Zimmerman himself says that he's fairly disappointed with the record. He felt like it was disjointed. He felt like it was recorded all at different times and all with different ideas in mind and then kind of just like pasted together and, uh, didn't really dig it too much. He, and then abandons basically making albums and starts releasing different things. He released an orchestral album, which is uh, orchestral arrangements inspired by his dance music, uh, which is really interesting. You should definitely check out. And then he recorded a soundtrack for a movie on uh, Netflix called Polar. He also is releasing some smaller EPs with like a handful of tracks each. So he hasn't released a record since this 2016 album, which is an interesting, you know, it's an interesting uh, representation of how different while one is less than two really was and how he's got to sort of figure out where he's going to go from there because he can't just keep doing the same thing anymore. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back to that album while one is less than two and talk about the song pets and talk about dance music in general and how dead mouse approaches it. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. to talk a little bit about the album while well, one is less than two from dead mouse but before we get into that i want to talk a little bit about the the process which with with which joel zimmerman creates music we mentioned at the top of the episode that he got a keyboard but he doesn't know how to play piano it it it, this never happens. He never actually learns how to play these instruments. If you see interviews with Joel Zimmerman and he talks about his his studio process and how he creates his music, he basically like 
hits a note on a keyboard and it makes a note like, mm, and then he puts that into a computer and digitally manipulates the track to make it change tone. So it's, mm, and then it goes, mm, and he just moves it around and then he finds where he wants it to be, leaves it there. Then he makes another tone mm, and then he moves that one around and puts the tones together and then they create, you know, a kind of chord and he just, you know, says, well, that sounds good. And he moves on to the next thing. So he literally has no idea how to craft music from a songwriter's perspective or from a musician's perspective. He's just kind of feeding information into a computer. And then the craft becomes him moving things around to make them sound interesting. So it's almost more of a producer or engineer kind of role that he has, but still being a creator, kind of picking and choosing these sounds, which is very, yeah, very different from at least most of the artists we've discussed so far and probably most musicians who at least have some understanding of music or some kind of musical training or at least, you know, understand like, oh, here, verse, verse, chorus, verse kind of deal whereas this is so freeform that it can kind of be anything and especially the concern being so much about the sound and as you mentioned where the drop is you know how the beat sounds all those different elements so it's an interesting way to to craft things from the ground up and i feel like it's also just hard to talk about instrumental music uh, anyway because i mean we we both love artists who who have instrumental tracks for the most part i can't i'm trying to think of anybody who just strictly does instrumental yeah there's there's that, a that, few i mean there's a few yeah. but not too many and and i don't know there there's just something weird about instrumental tra- just as an example uh one of the the video filmmaking classes I was teaching, they make a music video and I had a student come up to me and as I was giving the assignment out and he was like, if we, if we choose an instrumental track, is that okay? I just thought that was such a like weird question. Yeah, as that's though, like such a out, you know, it, of course, like why wouldn't it be? Yeah, you know? as, as though for some reason, if there aren't lyrics in it, then it's not a song. I don't know if that was just, yeah, like a weird outlier question, but it kind of made me stop and think about people's relationship with instrumental tracks and how that can be something that people avoid for for some reason. And I'm sure if you were to ask a lot of people what their favorite song is, probably not many people would choose an instrumental track. Once you know that the way Zimmerman creates music is by sort of toying around with sounds and not really developing something in his brain first and instead inputting information and manipulating it to create something out of it, you start to understand why his music kind of sounds the way it does, where it starts off simply and then interesting little tidbits get added in as it goes until he's created some sort of bigger pastiche of all sorts of different sounds. And in a way, that's what his music is about. It's not really about the vocals. And in some cases, there are there are a few times where I've 
I've listened to some Dead Mouse tracks with vocals onto it. And you can tell, like, what he did is he wrote a song and created this song. And then he was like, well, I don't have a song yet with vocals on it. And I've got to put one on this record just in case it becomes a hit. So I better go call somebody and have them come in and do a vocal line over it. And so what it's it's kind of interesting to think about like how he's approaching music as being a completely instrumental art form and then at the end of it deciding to throw in the lyrics whereas like you were saying i feel like a lot of artists you know that we talk about and skipped on shuffle and a lot of the music that people consider popular and listen to on a on a, on a regular basis most of the time the lyrics are being written at the same time as the music or possibly even written like prior like being like this is like we want to focus on a song written about this topic because that's what we want to get across with our music or you're at least coming in with a hook or like even a note where you're like oh i want it to sound like this or have this kind of atmosphere as opposed to what you described the coming in hitting mm, and (laughs) and starting there is is yeah it's pretty incredible what the these some of these tracks like end up as knowing that that's where they're they originate. Yeah. So it's like when I hear a song, like the song that we're going to go over in a couple, in a minute here with, with pets, you know, I hear this beautiful sound that, that kind of takes you to another world where you kind of feel like, I don't know, like, you know, without getting too like metaphysical or druggy or anything, but they're like, Oh, I'm kind of like floating in another space, like this kind of interesting, you know, sounds and textures going on. And it's all being created by, by a human, but, it couldn't be created without the assistance of the technology. Like if we took the same guy who wrote the song and put him in a room with a bunch of organic instrumentation, like a guitar and a piano and, or even like a live orchestra and said like, okay, now make something as beautiful as you did with pets or any of his other songs, you, you, you know, he probably would just be like, I don't even know where to begin. Like, how does this work? So it's, it's very interesting to think about how the technology kind of guides it. But I also think it's interesting when we talk about a song like pets is, is, that this song is not popular. I mean, it's it's fairly low on his on his charts. It's number one hundred and four uh, out of you know however many songs that he's created, and uh, there's no vocals, and it wasn't a single, and it never got any radio play, at least not on any major radio stations. Uh, you're not going to hear this song in the clothing store like you will with "I Remember." But when you break it down, like I feel like this song "Pets" is just as pretty and just as engrossing. As I remember, it's just that I remember has a, a a vocal track to it, and this one doesn't. And it's it kind of goes back to what you're talking about with your student asking about whether or not he can use an instrumental song for this music video course, because like you know is the only difference. Like let's just let's just hypothetically say let's both just you know like just agree for a moment that that both Pets and I Remember are at the same level of musicality and beauty and all that stuff. And the only difference between the two of them is the fact that one has a vocal track and one doesn't. Like, why is it that 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 one track I remember would be so identifiable to people and the other one isn't it I guess it must be just because of the human element maybe and it's also hard to describe to someone it's like oh I heard this song that I really love and they're like oh well, well, well what is, how does it go <laughs> yeah, yeah like, well, I, there's just an inherent problem and in how do I describe this yeah uh so yeah I, that, that's another thing that I found interesting about house music is how much it goes by by name more so than by song because if you don't know kind of who someone is it gets really hard to describe or differentiate or 
or do a lot like every every time i would you know look up something and read it's name dropping like oh this person this person this person assuming that i have some understanding of you know what that sounds like and i think that's another one of the challenges in terms of of house music and a, a genre that tends to be largely instrumental It's interesting that you bring up, you know, name dropping other artists and how the artist is kind of the is kind of the the important factor when communicating about electronic music because there are so many other electronic artists that do kind of a similar thing to what Dead Mouse does where they write a lot of instrumental tracks that are your standard kind of house track but then bring in some vocals or bring in some different sounds and those artists I feel like tend to be the ones that that make it all the way to me because I feel like I'm not a big, you know, I'm definitely not a big electronic music fan. Like if somebody were to sit me down and start quizzing me about electronic music, I would fail. Like I like electronic music and I have a pretty robust collection of, of, of electronic songs in my, in my uh, Plex library and, and listen to it all the time. But at the same time, like I'm not really part of the culture. I don't go to raves. I don't go to, you know, big EDM festivals or anything like that. But when I do find an artist that kind of brings in that unique songwriting structure that Dead Mouse kind of does, it does make me kind of identify with it more. And I'm thinking of artists like Underworld or Orbital or even like the Prodigy or the Chemical Brothers or Crystal Method or whatever, where it's like they take these electronic beats and sounds, but bring in this songwriting element that kind of elevates it above, you know, when the, the generic trance kind of stuff where it's literally just a beat and some sounds and that just goes on for like 10 minutes and then it stops and then a new song begins and it's exactly the same thing. It's just that kind of repetitive nature, which I guess is a thing that people do enjoy, but that's not what draws me to music like this, music like Pets and this album where I want to be surprised. And I think it's interesting that he's ambitious enough to do that. Like he's saying like, oh, I know that I'm a dance artist and I know that the, you know, the, the primary audience that I'm creating music for expects me to do dance music that has a very specific formula, but I'm not going to do that, you know, or I am going to do that, but I'm not going to only do that. I'm going to kind of branch off into different directions. And, uh, and I think that takes like a certain amount of bravery. And I think that he, he kind of, he he feels that you know like he 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 had a problem clearly when the critics were like you know you're getting boring and he's like okay well guess what here here's what i'm going to do and this album and, and and even this this one track pets is kind of a representation of how he's ready to stand up and say i am not just going to create generic dance music for generic people i'm going to do something a little bit different Like I said, at the top of the episode, I know nothing about Dead Mouse or dance music or anything to, to, to the extent that I was talking to my wife and she was like, oh, what are the podcast episodes you're doing? And I was like, we're doing Dead Mouse 5. <laughs>
<laughs> and she's just looking at me dead mouse and i was like oh i guess that yeah okay that makes sense <laughs> so just just to give you some idea of you know how how out of touch i am about this so as i'm listening to this and trying to get into it i'm just reminded of getting older and just how out of touch with things i am and not, not even consciously being aware like i know that there's you know all this music out there i guess i just don't realize sometimes like how out of touch I am. So it just, it just made me think of, uh, so I mentioned my wife and she, she teaches middle school. So she's a bit more hip than I am and in touch with, with what the kids are listening to. (laughs) And I just remember going to, um, they do a a talent show every year. This was more than a few years ago. And, uh, we went and they, they give you the little, brochure pamphlet thing of you know all the acts and everything and i remember looking through it and they're telling you you know what songs you know the kids are doing and i see this name like three or four times and i turn to my wife and i'm like who is justin bieber (laughs) and 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 she again i I got that i got in the room i got that same look again like what is wrong with you and i just literally i I don't know he had been apparently famous for a few years at that point and obviously like this this was this was more of the like teen heartthrob period rather than the like whatever's going on yeah whatever is happening now (laughs) um but yeah i'm just reminded sometimes of like how much music is out there and there's all these different you know subcultures and things that you know generations after us where it's something super popular and they just kind of it's taken for granted that everyone everyone knows who this is or what this is and sometimes like in in episodes like today i'm just reminded how little i know about (laughs) you know areas of music or or just pop culture and i don't know like i i found this pretty interesting to listen to and think about how people get into this and what this does for them i mean just just for me in general you had mentioned you know how beautiful the song is and it was just really peaceful and tranquil to listen to at times and especially this album you know being so varied where on the one hand it kind of fulfilled like oh this is really nice you know music just to kind of put on and it's it's very soothing and then at other points you know it gets a little bit harsher especially the more nine inch nails oriented stuff which i do listen to being able to kind of get a taste of you know what that's like through through kind of the lens of a different genre and a, and a different kind of approach and so it's just been i don't know an, an interesting learning experience for me which uh, i'm just you know on the on the one hand it makes me feel really old but <laughs> but on the other hand it at least makes me feel like well at least i'm young enough to not just be like oh this is garbage i don't want to listen to it so i mean it, it's it's at least helpful to know i i can i can still grow and change you can still hang <laughs> <laughs> Like I said earlier, I am definitely not a huge electronic music fan. I do I do enjoy quite a, quite a bit of electronic stuff that somehow elevates its its way into my knowledge space. 
you know, like I, I, I'm sure there are all sorts of really interesting artists right now in the underground scene who are making waves and doing really interesting things that eventually I will really enjoy. But until they've reached a maturity point where their name makes it to me, somebody who doesn't have any association with electronic dance music, I, I'll, I just won't listen to it because I, I wait. With electronic music, I wait until they've established themselves so much that I can't avoid it anymore, where it's like somebody will mention like, oh, I was at a rave and I saw so-and-so. It was amazing. Or, oh man, I just picked up the new release from so-and-so and it was amazing. And if I hear that enough, then I'll be like, oh, I, I should check this out. And with Dead Mouse, that's kind of what happened. It was like, I kept hearing this name and I kept seeing the, the helmet that he wears, which if you haven't seen it, it looks like a giant Mickey Mouse head with lights coming out of it and all that, which uh, uh, apparently Joel Zimmerman wears as kind of like a, as kind of like a cure for his anxiety about being on stage where he's like, oh, I can hide in this giant helmet so that nobody can see me and I can do what I want to do and then take it off when I feel more comfortable. I kept hearing this and seeing this. And then I said to myself, okay, I got to check this out because clearly something is going on here. And then when I did check it out, I was like, yeah, I like this. I like some of this, you know, this is, this is interesting for me. Whereas I would never like be like, now I have to go to a rave and I have to like find that new artist so that I can get with them first. Cause I just don't care about that. I'm old enough now to not care about being the first, you know, I don't need to be all tell my friends like I saw Nirvana before Nevermind came out. Like I don't need that anymore. I'm, I'm beyond that. Uh, right now I just want to, find the good stuff that is 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 going to be something that I'm going to enjoy and I'm going to be able to get into not just from a electronic dance music perspective, but also from a music perspective, uh, from somebody who's a musician, from somebody who enjoys songwriting and and the creation of music. I'm looking for that. And when I hear Dead Mouse, I hear that kind of thing. And that's kind of how I create this personal connection to it. However, I do also admit that uh, I'm, I'm a writer. That's what I do for like my, my basic nine to five job. I, I write and I will put on a lot of electronic music to sort of drown out the world. And like a song like this, like Pets is like one of my go-tos because it's like beautiful and tranquil and there's not enough going on that I'm distracted by the music from my writing, but there's also enough going on that it's not just droned out, you know, I might as well just be listening to white noise kind of thing. It's, it, it exists in this, in this interesting plane of like, you were kind of saying like tranquility where it's like, Oh, like, you know, this is pretty and nice, but also at the same time, like inoffensive. And, uh, and so I do admit that I kind of use electronic music for that, but Every now and then, you know, Dead Mouse does something like with pets or with like I Remember or Ghosts and stuff or, uh, you know, any other songs that you that we talked about earlier today where I, I'm just like, wow, like he's doing some really cool stuff here. And it becomes all the more amazing when you realize like how he's creating it without any kind of musical knowledge whatsoever. So I really identify with his insistence on doing things his own way and creating things even though he's facing like these in, almost insurmountable odds. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Be sure to visit our webpage at skippedonshuffle.com where we have a blog and links to our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also a YouTube page where we perform the songs that we discuss in these episodes. 
We are trying our best to keep Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free podcast. So if you are interested in helping to support that, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Any donations that come there could go straight to keeping uh, Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free experience and go straight to paying for the various costs that are associated with running this podcast.